0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino.
1: From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. What a good day it is to be with you. Thank you for tuning in wherever you may be. Hopefully, this is the onset of your walk, your run, your workout. Thanks for allowing me to join you with every step, with every heavy breath. The good news for you as you complete that workout is you get to take me and another friend along mine and yours, Dolomite Dave Martinez, with me. And now with you, D2, we are part of someone's journey as they begin their workout. That is quite a privilege.
0: Yeah, and I'm hoping that everyone is enjoying the cooler uh, temps, especially in the morning. I know I've been running, you know, and it just feels really good not to have that high humidity and really not to be completely drenched in sweat, you know, running in like the low 60 degrees and uh, in the morning. So if you're doing that, hope you're enjoying it because I know I am.
1: Well, for sure, the one thing that, along the lower temperatures, of course, though, the lessening amount of daylight for those of us who are early risers. And we are not going to make this the total PSA for making sure that Others can see you and that traffic is always aware of where you are. But if you, like me, are now spending some of your morning routine in the dark, please, please, please be careful. Please be mindful of that because with those lower temperatures also becomes that lower visibility. And with that D2, we have something that I think is going to be kind of cool for people to hear about, not only while they work out, but while they consider what lies ahead for all of us who live a pedestrian, active, and fitness-minded lifestyle. You're already aware of this, but this episode, we're going to focus on all that is going on around us. Supply chain, pricing increases, availability and maybe even a little bit about what the landscape looks like for our fitness routines next year. This is really cool that we can sit down and do this.
0: Yeah, and I know that it's uh, you know t- to a large extent is not really affected running, um, you know. Really, at this point, it probably will down the road. It ha- mm. you know since you know a year ago when the pandemic started, it really affected you know bikes. Um, That's where they really kind of took the hit and, and, you know, really any fitness type of equipment, you know, people that work, working from home, they're looking to set up home gyms, you know, it became, you know, items became very scarce, hard to find costs went up, a lot of shipping delays, you know, bikes were on order for probably six months, a waiting list. Um, You know, I know that I've had issues with a bike part, trying to find a bike part. Um, So, you know, those things have impacted. And I think it's, going to impact the running uh, community a little bit more here at towards the end of the year, maybe first of the year. And uh, that's what we're talking about as far as kind of, you know, what does that mean? What can people expect and kind of what we're doing to prepare for that? Because I do, do think that while we will be uh, impacted a little bit, I don't think it'll be as extreme as what we saw with you know the bike and fitness industry um, last year. Yeah.
1: Well, and you're right. We're going to detail that. Certainly, we do not need to provide an overview of supply chain considerations. That now seems to be headline news almost every day. We do not need to talk about the increased volume of participants, wonderfully so, in an active lifestyle. That's super cool and something that we're working hard to ensure is not just a short-term thing, but is incredibly sustainable. But now we are at that point where the demand for fitness equipment including running shoes and those items that D2 just referenced as well as all of that increased amount of participation have kind of become a collision that we cannot not Notice. I've recently returned from a couple of trips. D2 and I have had the chance to sit down with many of our manufacturing partners. I think we probably have as good of an understanding as we can as we go into the holiday season and into next year. And certainly we wanted to share that information with you. We're going to do it right after the break. Before we go to the break, though, D2, as much as might be changing around us or just swirling, Around us, one of the things that is consistent, perhaps this thing that we can continue to cling to as an asset that is almost unchanged in our enthusiasm for interacting with the Run ATL community, the training program. You're not only my dear co host on this program, you're also the head coach for the Run ATL training program. We have another installment of that coming up longer distances but coming up nonetheless why don't you give everybody an indication of what is happening very soon
0: well yes I mean I mean, you know a week or so ago we had Chicago and Boston back to back Sunday Monday we saw some great uh, performances there and you know I know that people were probably glued to the internet to whatever screen <laughs> just to see um, you know whether they they knew someone or just to get caught up in that excitement so you know hopefully that has gotten you inspired and motivated and maybe you want to tackle your first marathon and why not do it here in the city of atlanta we have the Publix atlanta marathon that takes place you know at the end of february so we are launching a free 18 week marathon training program and that is now open here you know and um the training actually uh, starts the week of october 24th so that will be week one out of the 18 so it's it's Sort of kind of snuck up on us. I mean, can you can you believe it? We're already thinking about end of <laughs> February and, and end of February, we're thinking March. So here we are uh, in October, already kind of thinking that far ahead. But it is a eighteen week training program, and you know, for someone that's doing their first uh, marathon, that's sort of kind of what I feel would be a great, uh, you know, length of time to get you properly prepared to get you up to that distance, so that you can have a successful. Um, You know, uh, experience, uh, especially here in the, you know, in a hilly marathon course in Atlanta. You know, the uh, program is open now to sign up. You can go to our website under resources and just, um, you know, go under that, uh, you know, menu and then select the Runny Tail Spring Half Marathon and Marathon Training. And just register for that, and then we'll get you uh, signed up on the email list that you will receive a weekly email with uh, the training program, any tips and, you know, helpful advice to get you there, um, you know, for, for, you know, that duration. And we will close the, uh, the registration for that on November 5th, simply because at that point, you'll get, still be able to have 16 weeks of training. Um, and I think anything less than that for a marathon, especially if you're a beginner, you're really going you're not going to have a great experience it's it's you know and that's what we want is to make sure that you know we set you up for success and that you have a great experience now i did mention you know that is a half marathon training program and we are going to open that up um, here later Um, that is a free 12-week marathon training program and that will open up on november 15th um, and close on December 17th. So there's a bit more time for that. So don't worry if you're interested in doing a half marathon, you know, uh, the public's Half Marathon, uh, at the end of February we've got you covered it's just we you know registration is going to be a, a bit later for that so because marathon needs to start training now you get a little bit of a break if you're currently training and doing the Thanksgiving day half marathon then you know as soon as that's over you can pick up and then set up for another another training cycle and get you uh, you know probably even a, a better performance because you've got that training already uh, you know for that thanksgiving day half already under your belt so um we've got that going and uh so hope hope you guys are interested in that hope you guys sign up for it and uh you know we'll while you know we you know it's we, we do have uh, weekly group runs at a variety of our stores. So I do encourage you to check them out. Um, go once again to our website go under races events and check out social, um, you know, social runs for a uh, complete schedule of the runs available um, during the week. Um, and if you want to, uh, you know, run and do your long runs with, um, you know, with us, you know, we do have uh, a couple stores that are offering uh, weekend uh Runs on Saturdays. So, you know, we will do a course preview from our Midtown location. We've done that for several years. Um, That'll be closer around uh, probably December and January, right before the race. So, um, or actually, might be January, February, since we have some time. So, keep that out and, you know, an eye out for that. It'll go out in the newsletter as well as far as uh, promotion and how to sign up. So, if you don't get the links, if you, you know, forget, you know, you're on our uh, mailing list, you'll get all that information in our newsletter. Uh, as well,
1: awesome, very cool the run ATl program training program alive and well again, don't forget full marathoners those who are aspiring sign up is required by November fifth what a setup d two we talked run ATL. this the run ATl podcast is a tease after our conversation about supply chain and where. The fitness industry is headed. We're going to talk about another Run ATL activity, so do not miss that. But you know what's super cool, D2? Unlike what we're going to talk about, answer this question for us if you would, please. Last year, what was the cost to participate in the Run ATL training program?
0: It was zero cents. It was free. And
1: now here we are going towards the fourth quarter of this year. What is the cost?
0: It is once again free.
1: Zero price increase. How about that? I don't think that's going to be a theme for the rest of this episode, but it's awesome that you figured out a way to keep adding value and yet never taking a price increase. Kudos to you, my friend.
0: (laughs) Well, We do what we can to support our community.
1: (laughs) You are a man of the people, and certainly we're going to be super transparent. We're going to earn your trust in our featured conversation that does feature D2 and me. We'll do it right after this brief message.
0: Running makes you feel good. Running is healthy and good for you. Running can even be therapeutic, but running doesn't define you. You are not a runner, but running gives you life. At Big Peach Running Company, we get it. That's why we are the number one running store for those that don't call themselves a runner. That's why our guests use terms like friendly, thoughtful, attentive to describe us in reviews. Come see us at any of our seven metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at BigPeachRunningCo.com.
1: And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, a very timely episode. You could tell from our intro, we felt like we had information that was worth sharing. Just as a quick recap, like I briefly mentioned, here's the more extended version in a very recent travel journey, I had the good fortune of both being at the Running Industry Association gathering as well as an exclusive gathering for top dealers for Giant Bicycles USA. And of course, many of the issues that you hear about, not just in this industry and lifestyle, but general market across all product categories, all kinds of items that have to do with consumer spending and consumer behavior were very much top of mind. And with a lot of the information I got, most of it that I've been able to deal st- distill through through what might be confidential or somewhat classified and what very much is open to public knowledge and perhaps even consideration and debate, we thought we should share. So D2 and I, here we are, my friend. Why don't we get some of this information out there? You talked about the possibility of maybe just doing a little bit of a Q&A. There's all kinds that we could talk about. I'm going to hand it back to you, my friend, and see what's on your mind. And hopefully we'll be able to share some things that are also on the minds of our listeners and hopefully clear the air on some things that, of course, should be top of mind of all of, for all of us in this active lifestyle
0: well yeah i mean i think right now as we you know we've seen it since a year ago when the pandemic first started you know issues with the supply chain and th- some things being kind of out of stock or or uh, just hard to come by which also means the law of supply and demand prices going up so i think the biggest concern right now is you know will we see an increase in You know, in prices as far as, you know, for running shoes, I think that's probably the number one question that that, you know, our listeners are probably more concerned about. And then once we answer that question, we can go into the details about, you know, why this is happening and kind of what are things are being done in order to improve the situation.
1: So I think it's a great place to start. And the short answer, unfortunately, is yes, there will be price increases. Now, unlike groceries or fuel prices or home improvement or automotive supplies, wherever you may already feel the pinch a little bit, it's not going to be immediate. It may not even be, at least in the products that we have at Big Peach running company or big peach ride and run on display through the holiday season. But one thing that is different for us, we've not seen this in our 15 plus years of operation. And that is after we've already seen product after we've already written orders for next year. And keep in mind, we see product way in advance where we've seen almost everything through the end of next year. It's very, very rare that prices change after we've seen the product and written the orders. Unlike that history in this forthcoming year specifically in 2022 we will see price increases somewhere between maybe 6 and maybe 16 to 20% across at least some of the models that we carry on carry on the running footwear side i think you'll also see that kind of bleed into socks and some accessories don't have the same level of information to confirm that and we'll also see it to some degree On the ride side with bicycles, given components and and just given considerations that have to do with with construction and getting product to where it ultimately is for resale. So, yes, price increases are coming. If you're thinking about stocking up or, or getting a head start would certainly encourage that because they've not yet hit and I don't think they will. Between now and the end of the year, D two.
0: Well, and and from what I know, I mean, it's it really kind of surprising that we haven't seen that increase yet, you know, or at this point, given the fact that we're over a year into the pandemic, knowing some of the issues that have um, that have taken place with a lot of the product being hard to ship, and manufacturers having to actually air freight it.
1: Well, and I think there's two things. One, I don't know that we're as nimble as some other industries. And so the reason it's a bit of a surprise that we've seen product and written the orders and now there are likely price increases coming last year or now, really, if you think about it, two years ago when we saw the product for this year, the nimbleness of this industry isn't such that you can just decide to change prices on a dime. There's all kinds of places the pricing as manufacturers suggested retail is already out into the marketplace. They're already open to buy budgets, which is just a fancy way of saying how retailers allocate their dollars in terms of what they're going to purchase and make available to their guests and their customers. That just isn't something that we're used to. Unlike, let's say, a fuel station that when you drive by tomorrow, it may have a different price on the billboard than what it did this morning. That's not the case in this industry. And To your point, I think some manufacturers are paying the price for that lack of adaptability and not being able to change. Now, having said that, one of the things that's certainly the case is we oftentimes will see what are known as closeout lists. We don't necessarily participate in that. We don't buy product that is intended to be marked down so that we have lower price stuff. There are plenty of retailers out there who do that, and when there is an over- supply situation there is just a truth that comes with that that yes prices perhaps are available for those who want to buy discounted or maybe off-season merchandise at a lower price but then manufacturers are paying that price because they already manufactured it now they're selling it for less than what they had hoped to and with demand currently outpacing supply they're not taking markdowns like what they were two or three years ago. So I think their overall gross margin on what they've produced is significantly higher than what it's been in the past, hopefully offsetting some of those rightful freight considerations that you mentioned.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, as far as, you know, for, I think now for almost a year, they've been, you know, sh- you know, doing air freight, which is considerably more expensive. If I remember correctly, it's like an extra 12 to maybe $16 per shoe that they're incurring in shipping costs that at it's this up. point they haven't passed on to us or to the consumer.
1: It's, it's outrageous. Some of the numbers that we heard recently, you know, that is right on a per pair basis. It can be up to $20 per pair. And that's even off the wholesale price. Obviously we're buying it less than what we're selling to be able to ensure our margins and our ability to cover all the other costs that go into maintaining our business. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's almost ridiculous on a per pair basis, but think about putting the volume you can on a container ship. And truly having it be that slow boat from wherever over to the United States, whether it's Longboat, uh, Long Beach or Savannah or Charleston, the truth is freight coming by air much quicker, but the capacity, not nearly as much. And of course, the ability to put that many planes in the sky, pretty compromised. So it's a premium service anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the fact that, you know, because of the pandemic we saw an increase in just the participation so there was a very large demand and I think the manufacturers have done a very good job in trying to meet that demand to where we haven't really seen. There's been some items that have been kind of scarce, but not to the point where they're completely unavailable. Let's say, for instance, like in the bikes, you know, where there were months where, you know, you had to wait six months before you could get a bike in some instances uh, and, and even longer in, in others. Um, here, you know, there's plenty of, of models of different shoes and you might, you know, not be able to get something like within a week or two, but, you know, you would get it, let's say, within three to four weeks, potentially, if it was something that was really kind of unique or, or you know, special. Um, so I think the manufacturers done a really good job in, like you said, kind of being very quick to change and adapt, absorbing the inc- increase in those shipping costs without passing it on to the consumer. And I think largely they were kind of thinking, well, this will pass and we'll be able to, you know, go back to shipping regularly and you know you know on a boat and you know costs will, will drop down again so i think you know you know i think credit is due to them the manufacturers all of our manufacturers have done and i think a really great job because i don't think we've we've been concerned but we haven't really been you know we're and we're not panicked and we haven't seen a real shortage um simply because of the way they've been able to adapt and at the same time because of that increase in demand things like you said that were previously closeouts are, you know, are, are no longer available because typically when you have closeout type of deals and you have sales, that usually is due to an overstock. And right now, there is no overstock of really a, not a lot of product. So we're not Going to see a lot of things that are going to be marked down anytime soon that are going to be on sales. And that's not just in the running industry. I think that's just across the board. So, as we're looking into the holiday season, I saw an news report the other day that basically said don't expect like big, you know, Black Friday, you know, deals because. You know, they really have no reason to mark things down when there isn't an overstock, when people are buying at the rate that they are and there's such a low supply of, of items that you're not going to see those really big savings around Black Friday potentially is what is being reported.
1: Well, and I think that'll continue to be the case. Really, markdowns come primarily through two reasons, one, too much supply, or secondly, very predictably, too little demand. So on products that are just simply bad updates that don't check new releases that never really find their stride where demand never gets off the ground, now all of a sudden you got to get rid of it somewhere. Same thing with supply, and I think our industry, for better or for worse, I think you could make the case for both, but for better or for worse, our industry has been in oversupply mode because when they factor in their net margin, they're counting on some markdown sales and pushing a lot of product out at the end or what we call kind of that sunset season for a model. Most footwear models have a 12- to 18-month life cycle. They go from version 6 to version 7. They go from version 13 to version 14. And in that sunset period as they're transitioning to the newest model, there are liquidation plans that even if not really, really high margin, at least ensure some level of cash flow and get the product out of the warehouse. To your point earlier, D2, with the obvious increase in demand with all of these individuals so wonderfully getting into what we call a pedestrian active lifestyle, that kind of truncated the amount of volume that was going to end up on markdown. But then the perfect storm kind of hit. At first, it was pandemic-related in the early stages of the pandemic, where many of you may have seen those images, especially off of the port of Long Beach, with all those ships that were just sitting out there, unable to make port because they didn't have the number of workers in the port, not only to be able to receive the ships, but to actually unpack them, get that product in the warehouses, regardless of what type of product it was. From there, the perfect storm became somewhat of a workforce challenge, getting people back to work. Safely getting people back to work enthusiastically, getting people back to work in a manner that they could be in the same environment that they were previously, relative to the number of persons in the same warehouse, in the same warehouse or in the same uh, square footage or what have you. So then the workforce and the challenges went from warehouse to being able to find people who were willing to drive. Once you found that challenge, you coupled it with not enough trucks, not enough containers, not enough supply that was connected to there's distribution of the product. And then now more recently... Primarily with this Delta variant and especially in Vietnam where so much of our running footwear product is currently produced, the pandemic and that resurgence through the Delta variant caused shutdowns, total shutdowns of the factory space in North Vietnam and South Vietnam. And we went from producing literally tens of thousands of pairs every week in every single factory to producing zero pairs and we haven't even felt the full effect of that yet d2 i think that'll be towards the real tail end of the holiday season and q1 so this mystery is still far from unsolved
0: so right now as of the recording of of this podcast which is october 11th are factories in vietnam currently open or closed
1: they are open they have resumed production they did so the first monday in October after being shut down much of the month of September. So production has resumed. It's not at full capacity or what it was a year ago, or maybe better stated two years ago. And they are producing product that would have otherwise come in, in to the United States sooner than what it will. There's usually a four month or so lag between production and when it lands. So you think about being offline, fully offline, for eight to 12 weeks, you think about it for eight to 12 days. And now all of a sudden you have it where it actually is for four weeks or so. It's a significant amount of pairs and it obviously cuts across most brands and most models.
0: Okay. So we know at this point that we will see uh, a little bit, you know, uh, know, probably by the end of the year, some scarcity in footwear, just based on the factories mm-hmm. that have shut down, that were shut down for about four weeks. Um, and that's across a variety of, of brands. Um, I think the only one that, uh, based on our conversation, that largely is unaffected is Saucony, right?
1: That That's correct. They're still doing a lot of their production outside of, outside of Vietnam. And, and quite frankly, a lot of it's still in China where they didn't have the same challenges.
0: So if you're looking for Saucony shoes, you're <laughs> in pretty good shape. You won't have to worry about that. Now, granted that costs will still go up because they are air freighting all those uh, pairs uh, here to the state. So that, you know, you're not completely going to be unaffected if you're, if you're in a, you know, in a, you know, sock any shoes. Um, and they
1: may just have one less element in that perfect storm to deal with. It doesn't mean they have shipping containers when no one else does. It doesn't mean they are fully staffed at their warehouse when no one else is. So, yeah, you're right in the fact that production seemingly not as much of an issue for our friends at Socony, but it doesn't mean that they're home free either. So –
0: well, there's potential delays, you know, and we know that, you know, prices are going to go up now with the factories resuming. You know, I'm assuming that while they were shut down for, you know, for four weeks, um, you know, brands like Brooks weren't just sitting around kind of twinkling their thumbs going, gee, when are we going to open up? I'm sure that they had some plans or were doing some things to, you know, get product out or, or do their best to kind of, you know, improve a bad situation
1: that is true. And of course, when you have a bad situation, I mean, how disappointing would have been for us if we would have just heard, well, they're making the turn again. They're really getting their golf handicap low. They're having two or three martinis at lunch because nobody's producing in Vietnam. So they just took these weeks off. Of course, that wasn't true. They were working hard. And some of the things they're having to do now, making tough decisions, I think one of the things that we'll see, as predictable as it is, we can kind of confirm this now, that models that were not high volume or maybe even experiments that were kind of fun to do i think they're going to fall victim to a lack of capacity for a while now that the factories are back online they got to make what's the bell of the bell-shaped curve so i don't think we're going to see as many let's say racing or trail models or maybe even things like cross-country or track and field spikes next year because this is kind of fun fringe stuff that these manufacturers like to do it certainly has a role But it's more of a luxury than a necessity. You mentioned Brooks D2. We may not see the ghost in a dozen different colors during the first half of its release of the current version. But we're going to see lots of ghost pairs available on the men's and women's side. On a model like that, we have to see widths, but do we really need it in a dozen colors? Probably not. And if it comes down to making more Ghost that we know we're going to be able to get on people's feet and they're going to appreciate, it might come at the expense of something like a Cascadia or a Caldera in their trail portfolio that just doesn't have and never has had that kind of volume.
0: Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, the Ghost is probably, you know, if not the best selling shoe for Brooks, why would you sacrifice, you you know, that model, you know? Um, and then the colors are, you know, I guess we won't see any of those, you know, uh, St. Patrick's day or Halloween or, you know, uh, animal prints that we've seen in the past next year. Um, but it makes sense in the sense that, you know, you want to deliver the product to the consumer. And, you know, and I said this earlier, I was like, it's sort of kind of like, you know, back when the model T and Henry Ford, you can get it in any color as long as it's black, but at least you'll get it right.
1: That That is true. And you know, interestingly, I don't think we'll see as many what's known as an SMU or a special makeup or markup. The The reality is they bought some of that material already. So it won't be completely devoid of that. The good news for those items when they do that, when they do the St. Patrick's Day version or Brooks More recently, their run Hoppy shoe, that was something that you and I could raise a glass to. The truth is, with those materials already bought, we may still see some of that, but it won't be as proliferated as what it's been in the past. I think it'll be 2023 or perhaps even into the back half of that year before we start to see that level of innovation and maybe liberty with core models and how they produce them.
0: So, um so we spoke about Brooks and Saucon. What about some of the other brands? Any any insight as to what some of the others are are doing at this point?
1: So some of the other brands, I think, are are doing the same thing where they're looking across the entirety of their portfolio. They're making some tough decisions. The other thing that should not go unmentioned. And I think it's important really for the general marketplace to hear this because it's a, it's both a reward and a reminder for all of us. I think, you know, one of the things, and you mentioned D2 for us, we've not been from our run perspective, overly impacted. We've not always had the exact same color a guest wants right at the right time in the right store. But of course we do everything we can to get it. On the ride side, the reality is, is, this is part of our relationship with giant Bicycles USA, they have put us in a very advantageous inventory position to the best that they can. I think that'll continue to be the case in the spring as we expand the assortment that we offer, including some even more high performance bikes, as well as alongside the high quality offering that we have in our ride and run location in Brookhaven right now. But those assurances that we're getting to the best degree that our manufacturing partners can provide them to us are over a few things. First of all, we pay our bills on time, every time. The number of days that we're on invoice with our manufacturers is really what I would say industry low. We pay our invoices very quickly and always within terms. And manufacturers are going to have to make decisions now that supply is not as high as demand that if you're going to ship a product, you want to make sure if you're a manufacturer that you actually get paid for it because you could have sold it three, five, a hundred times over. So why not be certain that it's actually going someplace where that invoice is going to get paid and get paid in a timely Manner. So for all of us, it's a reminder. Pay your bills. Build good relationships. Establish credit. The other thing is, and this is not so much a comment about Big Peach or our own personal history for many manufacturers in our stores, and I'm going to specifically call out Brooks and Hoka and Saucony and New Balance and Asics and brands where performance running is truly the foundation of their brand. It's the core of what they do and what they stand for. Fortunately, Big Peach participates in a channel that is similar, where we're getting a chance to see and serve more runners and walkers than any other channel with all due respect to their own direct to consumer business, big box, sporting goods, mall based retailers, all very much have their role in the marketplace and in the economy. But given our position as a market leader and our channel, As the tip of the spear like they are for the core portion of their brand, I think we'll have easier, better, more comprehensive access to their inventory than other channels of business will. So between our payment history, now almost 20 years of paying our bills on time and always in full, as well as being in a channel that is kind of tip of the spear, leading edge I think we're as protected as we can be. And then the last thing is just simply reputation. I think Giant knows our reputation in this market. I think Atlanta, thank goodness for all of us who call this home, live here, and love to just live and recreate here. This is a key market. And so having product in this market will be a bit easier than smaller communities, including in other parts of the South. And certainly smaller communities in other parts of this country, they want to make sure that they can satisfy the demand in these markets that everybody's kind of looking at to see what's happening what's cool, who's trending and trending well. So I think we've got as much insulation both for our business and our marketplace as we could hope to have as we go into 2022. Well, you know, when we're talking
0: about like, um, you know, running shoe brands, you know, I've, you know, they manufacture everything themselves, although they are sourcing some of the material from probably another vendor, someone that manufactures yep. those materials and they contract that stuff out, right? So they have, yep. they're still, they don't have complete control, but they have better control of their product, their end product, right? With bikes, you know, a lot of the components are not made by the manufacturer. You know, they're, you know, let's say Shimano or SRAM, you know, those components are still being made by someone else. So even as a, and maybe you can, you know, maybe you have some insight into this, but, you know, even if Giant were to have all the frames available and they were running at hundred percent capacity, they are still reliant on the components from another party, whether it's Shimano, Shram's, you know, Rockshock, or you know, or any other, you know, even tire manufacturers, tubes, they're probably not making those. They're probably having, you know, getting those products from someone else. So if something's missing, if a product isn't delivered because you know a factory shut down, that would impact, you know, their timeline and the delivery of their, uh, you know, product even if they have a full range of bikes in every single size. Because, you know, we're still seeing a shortage of that. Even though things are getting better, there's still a little bit of that, correct?
1: That That is true. In fact, you're absolutely correct. The good news, I suppose, you know, for us or maybe for for Giant and, and maybe for other bike manufacturers, but Giant as the world's largest bicycle manufacturer, including making bikes for almost every independent brand and some of the other, you know, top brands that you see, you know, everywhere, whether on the Beltline or on the Tour de France circuit, that the truth is they have the contracts to get that product first. In fact, the challenge you might have to be able to find something for one of your bikes is because they're going to fulfill that contract to Giant first. So what is going to be more likely through next year is when you purchase a bike, you better like it as is because your ability to modify it or to put aftermarket changes together is gonna to be somewhat compromised. If you don't like the components on the bike, you might want to find a new mic, a new bike rather than say, well, I like that frame or I, I like that price point and then I'll just go and I'll change it out the way I want it. That's gonna to be tough to do, I think, for the foreseeable future.
0: Well that makes a lot of sense because I'm currently, you know, for the last couple of months I've got a shifter on my bike that is not functioning. And while I can ride it, I can't shift to the big gear. So I can only ride hills on the easy gear. Um, so I can't go fast on flats, but it has been a challenge to find, you know, those products. And, you know, when you do find them, they're, you know, priced much higher than they normally would be, you know? Um, so I, I would have better chances of buying a brand new bike and getting that component than buying that component on its own right now.
1: That, that's exactly right. And I think, again, the biggest call out is, is not to buy a bike just based on the frame or based on the price point and then think you're going to be able to modify it or or have someone who you know knows bikes do it for you because the challenge for that man or woman who knows bikes and could normally make those changes is just simply getting the components where you want.
0: Okay. All right. Now, as far as like you mentioned some stuff as far as us being in good shape, as far as you know, with, you know getting product and all that with what we have sort of kind of seen based on kind of looking down the road, knowing that, you know, factories were shut down and that there was going to be a potential shortage. Has there been anything that we're doing? What are we doing to plan? I mean, even if we've got great credit and we know all this, are we doing anything proactively to make sure that we have product available? You know, let's say by Q1, you know, end of, you know, Q4, Q1 of 2022,
1: So it's our responsibility, and as you know, an obligation that we have, not just to our business and our organization, but our guests, to our mission, you know, to stay on pace with the changes, at least to the best degree we can. And and just to clarify, I'm not going to say we're in good shape if we're looking at it the same way we might have in 2018 or prior to everything changing in early 2020. But I feel like comparatively speaking, we're in in really, really good shape. Would I take back the days of 2018 where we could just get anything we wanted at any time? Maybe. But I also hope there's real legacy to how we and our manufacturing partners do things in the future based on what we're learning right now. And I hope that that is a, a gift we we give ourselves and eventually you know come to understand that it was part of this this challenging season but it it plays into what you asked and like what is that that we're doing to further our own understanding of what's going on around us and to better serve our guests and our community in the future you know first of all we are stockpiling product. It sounds maybe a little bit selfish or even absurd that we are buying product at a far greater velocity than what we're selling it right now because we want to ensure product for our guests and for this marketplace between now and the end of first quarter. The truth is we have cash that we would rather invest in product than anywhere else and by putting product in little nooks and crannies in and around our system we will move it into place when it is needed as opposed to expecting to just fill in or receive inventory as we normally would we're probably going to pay a significantly bigger tax bill write your congressman or woman and say don't let them continue to tax unsold goods at the same rate because retailers that have the cash are buying product and we do pay a property tax on everything that we've not collected sales tax on and we've just made the concession that that's going to have to be a larger tax bill than we've ever had before at the end of this year because we're going to have so much sitting in reserves for first quarter that wouldn't have actually delivered in first quarter, but instead might have delivered last week D2. So that's one thing that we're doing. The other thing that that we're doing is more and more of our business is truly what they refer to as omni-channel. Occasionally it gets purchased in store. Sometimes it's reserve online or buy online, pick up in store. Sometimes it's just a simple e-commerce purchase where somebody can connect to their purchase record of past, get the exact same thing from BigPeachRunningCo.com we're looking at different ways to be able to fulfill that. We're looking at 3PL and warehousing solutions. As you know, one of the things that has both been a real asset and occasionally a real challenge, how we move product from store to store so that we have the right inventory levels and the right assortment in each store at any given time, redoing how that traditionally works. We've been married to one or two days per week, always the same days, always the same route, always the same. I think we got to break those boxes and start to look at things a little bit differently. And I hope as a result of now doing so, when we otherwise might not have been incented to do things differently, that in six months or certainly in 24 months, we'll be like, wow, aren't we glad that system was proven to be so broken so that we could rebuild it and ultimately build it better than what it had been previously.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where I think sometimes, you know, changes happen because of challenges, because of things that, that cause you to ship, you know, because if things are working well, you typically don't say, well, let's change it. Let's improve it. Um, it's typically when there's a, you know, speed bump, something that could potentially cause a problem down the road where you, uh, kind of makes you think about things and say, all right, is this really the way we wanted, you know, things to go? What can we do this just to prevent, uh, you know, issues coming up down the road? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see um, as far as, you know, we know that at this point, you know, we're talking about Q1, potentially shortages, you know, but we feel like we're in good shape, you know, looking down the road, do you think by, you know, spring, summer of next year? You know, can you look that far down the road and see? You know, and, and you know where are we, where will we be at? Where will our brands be? Do you have any idea?
1: Here's what I'll say, and maybe this is as good a place as any to to kind of wrap this conversation. And it's not telling anyone something they don't know, but maybe just confirming what they suspect. But I, I do think that we are entering, if not a new phase of the general economic conditions, we are at least going to go through a season where people are going to have to accept that availability or assortment or perhaps the number of choices are going to be less. And alongside that number of reduced options and the perhaps lack of choices compared to what it was last year, certainly a few years ago, are going to be higher prices. And it seems like an odd paradox, right? If you're going to take something away, you should charge me less. But instead, you're going to tell me I don't have as many options, or I can't get it just the way I want, perhaps, but you're going to charge me more. And I think that is is true, at least for the next six to 18 months. The other thing that I think we'll see, generally speaking, that D2U and I our leadership team, our entire organization, Big Peach Running Company, our entire channel, maybe all of sporting goods retail, just absolutely need to be on guard against. And, And we can only, of course, control our own play in this arena. But I think we'll see service erode even further. The truth is there's this real friction that exists right now between wages and getting people to do work, to be able to train up, to do important work. And for us, we've always said, look, we're not that place. If you're just so committed to finding it for the absolute lowest price anywhere, we're probably not that place. We've always had shoes that you can buy on discount because we overbought or because we didn't forecast by certain sizes or certain colors the way we were supposed to. So it's not like you could never get a deal at Big Peach Running Company, but that wasn't our reason for being. And just like we said, well, if you're coming for us for the lowest price. You're maybe not in the right environment. We've also said, if service matters to you, we are the place you want to be. All are welcome here. That is our thing. We need to win 101 times out of every 100 on service. So it's so, so, so important to us for that to be true. I think that commitment is going to be even more important for us. And it's going to be more visible to everyone else because I just don't see how service in so many environments in restaurant. I don't know if what the restaurant industry looks like in a few years. I have to believe there's going to to be a huge overhauling of how wages are paid. I have no idea what it's going to look like in big locations like home improvement or in mass merchandisers or what have you. But I have to believe they're going to be dealing with less people on the floor as wages increase. And for us, is perhaps an advantage we could not have seen coming and options going down prices going up we believe service also has to go up unfortunately I believe in a lot of places it unlike prices that are going up service will go down but you and I our team we can't let that happen with us that'll be a real interesting play over the next few years
0: well, no, and I don't think that that will happen because it, from the very first, you know, day you open up the store in, you know, Brookhaven, you know, it, that was your, your number one thing you were concerned about was service because that is what you saw lacked in Atlanta at that time back in 2004 was that there was, you know, a lack of good service, knowledgeable people that could help and inspire and, and educate and, and, you know, people that were into this lifestyle. So I don't think that's going to change. That's part of our DNA. Um, and it's something that obviously, yeah, can easily, you know, uh, erode from the DNA if we're not paying attention to it. But I do think that's something that we've always paid uh, very uh, good attention to, something that we've, um, have continued to improve. I am one of the individuals that see a lot of our reviews. Part of my role is, you know, going through, you know, Facebook and answering reviews or, um, Yelp and Google and business and all that. So I see the reviews and right now they're, they're doing, you know, we're seeing a lot more reviews than we've probably seen in the past. You know, a lot of five-star reviews, a lot of people very appreciative And mentioning specifically friendliness, service, you know, um, and just the atmosphere and the experience in the store. And when you see, you know, the convenience factor of, you know, free shipping and, you know, two-day shipping and Amazon Prime and all that, it's very attractive to say, I don't have to leave the house. I can just sit at home and get stuff, you know, delivered to my front doorstep. And that is a very kind of cool thing in the world that we live in. But you do miss that service aspect. So the fact that people are still willing to come to our stores and then have that experience and then share them through reviews is still good. And it's, I think it's encouraging to us. I think it continues to inspire us and continue continues to keep us motivated to keep doing what we've always been doing, what has been our mission from the very beginning. So I'm not really concerned about that from, from our point of view. I do think that, um, you know, we will see it in other areas, uh, you know, other industries, other businesses, um, you know, I think at the same time, there's part of me that feels, and maybe it's because I've moved recently, I've had to deal a lot with different type of services, whether it's you know home inspection and you know tree service and you know uh, you know pest control, things like that, where I've interacted more with businesses that are service oriented, and for the most part right now, I feel like, wow, it's like I expected it to be average or mediocre you know at best and for the most part I found people to be very friendly um, very engaging in all of these interactions that I've had, so it, it, I feel a little bit optimistic and hopeful for the future. And and just you know, considering everything you hear and you see in the news, and just the the vitriol and 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 just anger that you see online, in person, I've I'm seeing things that are a little bit different. You know, uh, people being actually friendly and being cordial and being nice and supportive. So. Um, I'm a, a bit optimistic. I don't know if it's diluted, if it's just my little bubble that I live in um, but uh, you know I, I can definitely see where you know as you're saying that service you know can decline and we may see that down the road. I hope it doesn't. Um, because I do think that's one of the things that encourages people to want to engage with these with the, with these businesses and and small businesses primarily I mean that's that's what makes you mm-hmm. know us who we are what's they're the you know backbone of our you know US economy so to see small businesses shut down would not be a good thing so I think if we can continue to to, to to have great service, um, you know that we can keep these other businesses kind of going uh, because I think that's the difference. Especially, you know, when you you've have preached this for a long time, is that at a certain point, the products that we carry in store become a commodity. Right? It's like yep. you know you got shoe A and shoe B, and you can get it at anywhere in town, and you can get it online and get free shipping. Some instances you may get same day delivery. So it becomes a commodity. So what makes it different? And you know, what makes a business stand out? And that's that service. It's that connection, that personal relationship. It's that communication that you're getting, that relationship that you're building that makes a huge difference. So, um, and that's sort of been kind of our DNA and our model from you know from day one. And I think that's something we'll continue to do. And I hope there's other businesses that realize it that it's not just the bottom line. It's not about you know doing things you know doing more with less because I think that's one of the things that has really hurt the economy um, and larger corporations. Because both you and I came from large corporations and it was a very much, you know, in my experience was work more, pay less, you know, you know, do more for less, find the cheapest way of, of, of getting things done. And, you know, that doesn't lead to a, a very, you know, a great work environment, at least a, a lot of dissatisfaction. So I'm hoping that things, you know, that that's not the case um, going forward. So.
1: We cannot let it be. I could not have said it any better myself. You may be the featured conversation on the small business episode this year. Awesome, D2. I think that's as good a place as any. That's that pledge to ensure that service levels rise at least at the percentage of what prices would. We would like to think we would be able to 2, 3, perhaps 10x that. And D2, thank you for doing this. Good idea to make this a topic for the Run ATL podcast. Obviously, it speaks to everything we do. We also occasionally take breaks. We'll do one right now. Do not go anywhere, though. We're going to come down the home stretch together right after this brief message.
0: At Big Peach Running Company, we know that not everyone identifies themselves as a runner. Running isn't about a start or finish line. It's not about time or pace. It's freedom. It's a break. It's time for yourself. We take pride in listening to your needs. We make sure you get the right shoes so you can get back to enjoying your time. Big Peach Running Company has been voted as one of the best running stores in America by people like you. Visit us at any of our seven Metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at bigpeachrunningco.com.
1: And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, D2. I am now going to link back to something I mentioned at the onset of this episode, and that is adding value but not increasing prices. One of the things that we know to be true, in fact, it's a core value of ours. We take fun seriously that core value requires that we do some things that some may say i don't know how they do it but how they pull it off how they have the resources to pull it all together without charging for it but we have another run atl themed event this one the run atl appreciation party coming up this is just a teaser we can't share all the details yet anything that you're willing to disclose yet
0: well, you know, yeah. I, I mean, what we can disclose is that, you know, obviously, you know, there has been a need to kind of gather with other people. There is that social connection that we have all been missing. And to some extent, some of you may have been running with, you know, a small core group of people. We've missed out on maybe even some races, although some races are coming back. We are still in a pandemic, although things are seeming to improve. Um, so this is kind of our way of saying, you know what, we've missed this community and we haven't really done anything. Um, so we want to gather at a fun location, including a run, some food and some beverage. So those details will come out. Um, there's absolutely no cost to you. This, once again, is going to be free. We are going to ask for people to RSVP. You know, we will have a lot of our vendors there. So, you know, I'll say it's going to be very reminiscent to our 15-year anniversary celebration that we had just a few years ago um so if you were there you know what to expect and uh you know and it should be a good time where you know i'll be there and mike will be there and we hope you know you know we're you know, planning on getting a lot of our other team members there as well so um you know it should be a good time
1: Awesome. Very cool. The only thing I will say, so you can put this marker on your calendar, November 7th. It's also the same day as the time change. So for those of us who are looking forward to getting a little daylight back for at least a short period of time in the mornings, it'll make it easy for you to identify that date on your calendar on November 7th, the Run ATL Appreciation Party certainly will have more details in the weeks to come. You'll also find them in our newsletter and on our social if you're not connected to us that way. Certainly go to our homepage, Big Peach Running Co. You can sign up for that newsletter. You can find us on the socials and all the ways that you find others. Certainly, we would love to connect with you there. And as always, if you ever want to send D2, me, or anyone else, A message through the podcast, podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. But we've come to that point where we must bid you adieu for now. Certainly appreciate you spending this time with us. We'll look forward to doing it again in just two short weeks. But as we say, as we certainly meet, may your best miles be those covered on foot. So long.